You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Good morning. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. This morning, we are so excited to have another guest with us. It's my pleasure to introduce Allison Poirier. Allison, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So, Allison, I see that your father is also an attorney. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about what it was about his practice that made you want to become an attorney and then focus on probate, estate planning, and real estate in particular. Well, to be perfectly honest, I grew up thinking I didn't want anything to do with the law. I wanted to do something completely different, get out of my my dad's shadow, so to speak. Went out in the world and had a couple of different jobs and just landed as a paralegal position and found out it was truly something I loved and wanted to go to law school. So then kind of circling back to seeing my dad all these years and doing what he does, who is also uh, working in estate planning, estate administration, elder law, and coming to work here actually at the same firm with him, I got to see firsthand how gratifying it is to do this type of work. A lot of people see lawyers and they think courtrooms and sharp suits and all of that. But so much of what we do is sitting around the table and just talking to people, getting to know them, getting to know their families and really helping them with you know everyday problems. So having done this now for nine years, I have uh, an immense amount of respect for my dad for doing this for over 30 years, um, probably actually over 40 years at this point. And I only hope that I can fill his shoes just because I found this is just such a wonderful line of work. And I'm so happy. This is what I ended up doing. That is, that's fantastic. And, and just a great background story. So tell me a little bit about your YouTube channel. You have your own YouTube channel. Talk to our listeners about your videos and what it is you hope to achieve through doing these YouTube videos? So the YouTube videos are something that we're, it was actually our marketing director's idea of ways to just kind of continue to reach out and get information out about our firm. And we thought, wow, how great would it be just to do these just kind of short videos that just provide really good basic information. So we started off with some longer ones where we actually tried to do live webinars, which are on the YouTube channel. And that was kind of our start. And then we found, you know, with the, you know, onset of TikTok and all these types of, you know, video platforms, that short videos are best. After five minutes or five to seven minutes, you start to lose people a little bit. So we came up with this really great idea to just do really condensed five minute videos. So we cover some really general topics for estate planning and what is a will, what is probate. We also on the elder law side, what are the really basic eligibility requirements for Medicaid? And it really just kind of took off from there. We saw a lot of people were starting to log on, starting to watch these videos. So we're starting to get a lot of phone calls and emails from people saying, oh, I watched your videos and that's why I'm contacting you. So it's ended up giving us this really great reach that we didn't have before, just because who doesn't like to go on YouTube and just watch a couple of videos when they have some spare time. That's great. And I guess build that level of trust with potential clients as well, because they already know your face. 
what types of clients do these videos typically bring in? Are they younger clients? Are they older clients? Is it a mix? It's across the board, just because I think for the most part, and just generally with the work we do with estate planning, elder law and speak, we're generally gearing towards an older, older clientele to begin with. So I would say our average client in particular, or generally speaking, and in regards to these videos are probably 50s or 60s or so, just because that's a lot of the people that are sitting down and just thinking about these topics. So they go online, they find the videos and find that information that they were already starting to think about. But that's probably a majority of the age group that we're reaching, I would find. All right, Stan, I know you're brimming with questions for Allison. Go ahead. Yeah, I am for sure. And Allison, great to meet you. And let me just say what you said about you know, the privilege it is to be an estate planner and to be able to make the kind of connections we do with clients. I totally agree with you. I, for me, it was like, I remember the moment I decided to become an estate planner and I felt like it was, uh, it was a, a calling almost in a biblical sense. It was kind of weird actually, but ever since that moment, I've never looked back. It is an amazing thing that we're able to do with clients. Preparing for this conversation with you, Allison, I spent a little bit of time on your website and I came across something that really struck me. There's a sentence on your website that says, we think you'll find working with us is like working with a trusted friend or family member. And I get the sense from the conversation with you that you actually really mean that. We really do. Just because we like to think of ourselves, both myself personally and the firm in general, as you know, your friendly neighborhood lawyer. Most times people, for most of their lives, people never have to deal with a lawyer. So when they come in and speak to you, it's, it can be really tense and really nervous. So we really try to make the process easy. We try to make them comfortable because this is a very personal thing to be doing. So I'm curious, are there, you know, and, and I, I don't know if you have an answer to this question, but are there, if you think about it, are there any things that you do, any little techniques that you, over the years that you've kind of developed that that really give you the ability to open the door to connect with clients in a really intimate way? I think the first step is for me to just make that initial connection is, I'm sure as you do with your own practice, a lot of what we do initially before we even sit down with clients is we send out forms, say, please fill these out, give us information. And it's all very formal. And it's great for us from a, you know, to get a chance to take a look at that information before we meet with clients. But then the very first time I'm sitting down with clients for the first five or 10 minutes, I say, well, I have all this information on paper, but tell me about you. Tell me, what do you do for a living? Tell me about your kids and kind of get to know them a little bit. And it's, you kind of see them just take a deep breath and go, oh, okay. And then it's, it's just talking and it goes a lot easier from there. That's incredible. You know, the, the first estate planning interview I did, I didn't know what to do. And so my first question was, tell me about you. And it works so well. I've probably, that's probably been my opening question in the last, you know, 10,000 estate planning interviews I've done. And I've found that it, I've found that if you can just get people to forget about the financial stuff and the fact that they're talking to a lawyer and just tell their own story, you can really build a connection that just goes really deep, really fast. Yeah. And most people are really happy to talk about themselves. So to get them talking and they get to learn, oh, they just had a new grandkid or, Oh, they're really in, they're really passionate about rescuing golden retrievers and golden retrievers and tell me about your dogs. And yeah, just getting more on a personal level. I a hundred percent agree. It makes them much more willing to open up to you. I know you've only been, you've only been at this like eight years. I know eight years is not, I mean, that's, 
that's a significant amount of time. I'm still but, pretty new as far as the field's concerned. Yeah, your dad thinks you're pretty new, I'm guessing too, right? But are you beginning to get a premonition of what your own personal legacy is going to be professionally? Like if you're looking back, if you're looking back, you know, 30 or 40 years from now on your career, what do you want that legacy to be? Well, to some extent, I get a little bit of a crystal ball into that and just watching my dad and his practice. He's my mentor. I've learned so much from him that I feel like my career is taking a lot of the same, much of the same path that his did. And so I see it as just clients that I've been working with for 20 or 30 years still continuing to come to me. Now I'm meeting with their kids and other friends of theirs, kind of being the the family lawyer and getting to know, again, people on a personal level. So we have clients that, my dad's clients that stop by and they grow apples. They say, oh, well, we just had to drop off a bushel of apples for you or you know, just sending in Christmas cards with pictures of the new grandkids. And that's really what I see as my legacy. I'm not searching for, you know, some big high rise building on the 40th floor, glass windows and all that. It's, you know, the the nice memories and really getting to know people and having the the satisfaction of knowing that what I did mattered to somebody. And it does matter. Yeah, I think, I don't think people really realize the power, the impact of what we're able to do to, you know, prevent to prevent damage in relationships, to preserve families. It's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, because with the work we do, as you, again, well know very well, is we're sitting with people through some of the most difficult moments of their lives sometimes. It's someone's just passed away and you're trying to lead them through that process of settling in a state. Or as part of my practice, I do some, you know, conservatorships and as folks get older and incapacitated, so you're dealing with the kids when, again, they're seeing their parents kind of, turn back into children in front of their eyes. So, I mean, these are tough times and I just think it's such important work. And again, just so blessed that I get to do it. How did COVID impact your practice? Oh gosh, a lot. <laughs> I had two little kids at home who's when their school shut down, I became pretty much a full-time teacher and trying to do that on top of work was very challenging. But I think probably the biggest longer lasting impact is we lost a lot of the you know, in-face meeting, person-to-person meeting. So it was a lot of Zoom. It was a lot of telephone calls. So that was a really big change for us just because so much of what we do is literal hand-holding and and talking to people. So not being able to do that was a big change. But some of it, I think, was also positive just because there was other things we were doing that we were still relying really heavily on, you know, because we had all those in-person meetings, you know, getting original signatures on documents and still mailing stuff in. And so now we switched over to a lot of more electronic signatures, particularly on the probate side, just because we don't need, you know, original signed documents. And as it just so happens, our probate courts here in Connecticut, just prior to the big onset of the pandemic, switched to e-filing. So there's a lot more we figured out we could do electronically. We could be more efficient. And our clients actually like that aspect because we're able to move things on a little bit quicker. So we lost some of the in-person. Most of that's coming back. I'm hoping it keeps coming back. But also now we know for those folks who liked the remote, we have more options available and we can better serve our clients. Yeah, Would you say, Allison, uh, go ahead, Stan. No, no, no. Would you say, Allison, that a lot of your clients still like to meet over Zoom or now that in-person is an option, do, have most of your clients returned to trying to do that? Oh, definitely the push is back for in-person, particularly for my older clients, a lot of whom weren't very technical technologically savvy to begin with. Coming back to in-person is a very welcome thing. But even people who are very comfortable with technology, just I think 
nothing beats sitting down across the table and talking to someone. So I have a handful of clients that still really like the remote part of it, particularly if they're coming from a little bit longer distance, but more and more people are pushing to come back and meet in person for sure. Go ahead, Stan. I interrupted you before. No, no, no. I'm just, you know, uh, Allison, I, I've never been a mom, never will be, but I do have a certain empathy for this need to balance the role of being a mother you know, and a professional. I'm curious to get your perspective on that. Well, like you said, it's a balance. Thankfully, my kids are a little bit older now, a little bit more independent. They're eight and six. So they'll need a lot of mom's help on stuff, but not as much as they used to. So getting to balance work and home life is becoming a little bit easier as they get older. But I think one of the things, at least in my specific situation, that's helped a lot is I have a firm who is very family centric. I mean, I'm here working with my dad, so we honor those family connections. So they're very understanding when I need to Actually, in, in a couple of weeks, I'm taking the afternoon off because my kids are having a Halloween parade at their school at two o'clock in the afternoon. So I, I get to go and watch them and parade around in their costumes. And if I need to come in a little bit later because there's a doctor's appointment in the morning, again, they're very understanding with that. So it is definitely a balance. It's definitely something I struggle a little bit with every day, but I'm just very thankful to work at a firm where they value family as much as I do. What, did, what would you, you say? Go ahead, Stan. I'm, I'm You're good. Well, my question was going to be, you know, recently, you know, now that now that COVID is, I'm not going to say over, but now that it seems to be in the rearview mirror for us, or at least for many of us, what new, do you see new challenges emerging? I think there's always new challenges coming down the path for us. I think one of the big thing we've seen increasing that's becoming a little bit more challenging for us, and I don't know if this is across the state of Connecticut, it just happens to be our experience here at our firm, but We've been seeing a pretty steep rise in probate litigation cases. I don't know if it was the pandemic kind of drove everybody to their wits end and now they're kind of just ready and raring for a fight or realized, you know, all those family issues are kind of now bubbling closer to the surface, but we've definitely seen more of a rise in that. So while in a perfect world, I love my estate planning and probate administration practice, where again, it's mostly sitting around the table and talking to people and everybody gets along. There's definitely a lot more of those litigation files that are coming across our desk these days. So we're having to delve a lot more into not just necessarily, you know, trying to generally keep people happy and on the same page, but now we're gearing up for, you know, a two year long litigated battle over, you know, mom and dad's will or something to that effect. So. And you take those cases too, right? In the appropriate moment. Yes. So not all of them, but we are taking a fair amount of those cases. Yes. Do you have any theory about what's causing that? I mean, was it all that time family spent huddled up in the, you know, uh, quarantined and in, in during the pandemic? Is that do you think that was a factor? Um, I think that's definitely one of them. I also I chuckle a little bit just because I know we have an attorney here who does prenuptial agreements. We have another attorney here in our office who does divorces, and they were seeing probably our divorce attorney got a fair amount of work once people started coming <laughs> coming out of pan- the pandemic just because. Spending all that time in close quarters with their spouses, they realized it wasn't meant to be. So I think the pandemic brought a lot of those issues to the forefront. So, and particularly with, I think the elder law area is probably where most of the litigation is stemming from. So, you know, mom or dad living with, you know, son or daughter and the other siblings are saying, well, now all of a sudden I don't really, and now that I'm paying attention a little bit more, maybe because I'm not spending so much time at work, I'm seeing what's going on and I don't really like it. So. I definitely think that's brought a lot of issues more to the forefront. Yeah, you know, we found that happens in, you know, when people retire. You know, if you have a guy who's 
you know, gone all the time on a day job. And then he retires and now he and the spouse are together 24 seven. Sometimes it turns out they don't like each other that much. They just didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I understand that. Thankfully, in my case, my husband and I made it through unscathed. I wasn't calling any divorce lawyers once we started coming out of the you know quarantine times, but uh, a lot of people weren't as lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. Katie Beth, those are all my questions. Perfect. No, that's great. Allison, is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you want to talk about? No, I'm just, again, very thankful you guys asked me to be here. I love getting to talk to other lawyers about what we do. I always think it's a wonderful way to get to learn to maybe even pick up some tips and tricks. So I thought this was great. I do have, I do, wait, I do have one question. How do I find great. your how do I find your YouTube channel? So it's actually we try to make it pretty easy. If you go on to my law firm's website, which is kkc-law.com, there's a link right at the top of our website that says visit our YouTube channel. You click on that, it'll bring you to all of our videos. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I want to go perfect. check that out. And for all of our listeners, we will link that in our show notes as well. So you guys can find it easily without having to to go and look it up. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. And our guest today has been Allison Poyer. Allison, thank you again so much for joining on the show. We really appreciated all of your insights and wisdom. Thank you guys again so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.